Welcome to Behind the Dub, the podcast series talking to voice actors about their experiences in the industry as well as the shows they work on. Just before we start, I'd like to ask that if you like what you hear, please consider liking, subscribing, following or commenting. This all means a lot to me and it can help make more episodes happen in the future. You know, when you least expect expect it, Brooklyn comes to play. It is. That's, that's absolutely fine. So, so you are from New York then? Okay. I am from New York. I, IMDB does not lie then. Well, okay, it does lie occasionally. Born uh, in, uh, on Manhattan Island uh, at the, uh, now oh. I think, closed St. Vincent's Hospital. Uh, I was uh, okay. I was raised for the better part of my childhood out on Eastern Long Island uh, <laughs> in, uh, in Huntington Station, New York. Specifically Huntington Station because that's where I've you live. You there. didn't have a ton of money. <laughs> Huntington. I, I think I've been there. Yeah, it's named for its proximity to the train station, which is both convenient and low income. <laughs> but um, um, yes, we have. Yeah, me, me and my husband have been there. We've, really? we've actually been in that area. Yeah, we've been to, oh we've been the great village. By the way, as far as uh, as far as towns on the island go, it's one of the best. I mean, a lot of them you you and this might I mean, this might go for a lot of the, the United States. I don't know. I haven't traveled around the US that much, but um, <laughs> uh, a lot of towns will just be like a street, like one yes. main street with stores on either side. And uh, and Huntington always had this uh, like a full on proper grid with uh, with everything yeah. going on. Yeah, we've, um, we've been there. It was quite nice. Yeah, I got so, to uh, got to Manhattan again. Found my way back for uh, for university, and uh, and then I uh, I ended up uh, I did a brief stint living up in the Heights, Washington Heights, uh, tip of Manhattan, and uh, and spent way more years living out in Brooklyn, all over the place. Um, <laughs> At a certain point, I, you know, just to, like full, full transparency, because I know at some point someone's going to hit me up and be like, you didn't grow up in Brooklyn. How dare you rep Brooklyn? <laughs> but at a certain point, I do the math and I realize I've spent most of my life there. That's that's yeah. the culture and the vibe that I've uh, that I've I've integrated with the most. It's the place that I identify with. And it's and it's the place that's kind of defined, you know, most of my uh, most of my adult life. Plus, I, I, I you know, I, I I claim points for the fact that I was born in the city. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I fucking love, there we go. We're starting with the curses. I fucking love That's uh, Brooklyn. I love New York. I like to say anywhere I go, like no matter where I live, if I'm in Dallas, if I'm in LA, I'm always repping New York. <laughs> that, that's absolutely wonderful. So you are a voice actress. You are a, um, is it ADR writer or you just call yourself a writer? I am yeah, still sort of tiptoeing around the term writer. Um, because, because I think that oftentimes that is, uh, sort of associated with creating original work, but, uh, but yeah, writer, I guess I, I do ADR script writing. Um, that was something I was self-taught on. It was actually, uh, I moved down here to, uh, to start properly and, and we can get into the backstory, but, um, but, but to skip ahead momentarily, I, uh, I moved down here originally saying from the start that I wanted to do that as a side gig because, I don't know if you've had any of your guests tell you this, but um, animation voiceover does not pay a whole lot. Mm. How many of my guests have said that? Mm. Nearly all of them. (laughs) You need something to be able to pay the bills if you're not, uh, you know, if you're not um, exclusively constantly working commercial and promo gigs and and some of the higher paying stuff. So that's why, you know, that's part of why I I think a, a lot of us find our way into other aspects of the creative world. I think there are kind of two reasons and it really depends on your motivations. You know, Mm. for me, I was uh, I was trained in in a whole theater approach. My upbringing. My dad worked in technical theater his entire professional life as a technical director, and so uh, uh, you know, twenty plus years at the at the public, the New York Shakespeare Festival, working under George Wolfe and Joseph Path before him. Um, so I grew up 
um, playing on stages and throwing things out of third store New York City windows and having the police come (laughs) into the building and try and figure out who is potentially causing damage (laughs) to the city. Um, And, uh, and, uh, um, you know, so when I, during my upbringing, I, I was trained in stagecraft and directing and, 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 and stage design and lighting and sound. Um, I went to a high school uh, where a very large amount of emphasis was placed on learning every aspect of it. And to that end, the, uh, the director of the theater department would frequently um, encourage slash force uh, people <laughs> who were, were very frequent actors to try stage managing, to try lighting, to try design, to, to be there to build the set and strike it. Not just like the typical high school experience of like you help take down the set at the end of play weekend, but like actually be there to construct it and build it. Actually, and- yeah. And then rotate. So if you were stage managing or doing sound, oh. you weren't on stage that season. And then similarly, she would frequently, uh, devious, amazing woman that she was, um, she would frequently poke the career techies and stage managers and end up pressuring them into being on stage <laughs> and let them explore that too. Um, so, you know, <laughs> my, uh, my love of, uh, of, of, of doing all aspects of the artist because I want to be as neck deep in it as possible. But the fact is, and this isn't a value judgment, a lot of people need to make ends meet. And so you will have people that want to end up directing uh, or engineering or doing some other aspect of it, just because those are usually the gigs that give you full-time hours and help you pay your bills in a way that acting doesn't. That was a long answer. How is that? This is perfect. Absolutely fine. Don't worry. Um, Um, I said, it's really, really interesting to see how many, um, Voice actors, because some people just get this impression that voice actors are only voice actors. And then you, you people don't seem to realize that you have, your, as you said, fingers in many different pies all over the show. And so you you wrote, because um, I, I know this because I watched it recently, is uh, Don't Toro Me, Miss Nagatoro. I did. I'm and there's currently three episodes of it out on Crunchyroll, not sponsored, but it's on Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. Not and, sponsored. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sponsored yet. Crunchyroll, if you're listening, I would like a sponsor. I would happily do it. Um, but um, it's a really, really funny show, and comedy can be like really it. difficult to to write. Oh my god! And um, I'm so happy to hear. Oh, yeah, it's it's really fun. At first, I'm a bit oh, I'm not too sure on this, but now a couple episodes, it's like yeah, no, I like this. This is really fun. It's a bit of slice of life. It's a bit honest. It's not too crazy. It's crazy, but not. It takes too... a bit of a turn, doesn't it? And and yeah. one of the things I noticed because uh, one of the first things I do since the 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 sub came out almost a proper year before the dub um, was I you know I start to watch the episodes. <clears throat> excuse me, and okay. I start to read and watch reviews. You know, I watch people's YouTube videos breaking down the series and kind of get a sense of what people uh, like about the show, what they might've been frustrated with about the show, you know, where they thought the uh, the show could have done better and, and also the things that they, you know, that they appreciate about the arc. And one of the things that I saw in a number of places, a common thread was that the show, uh, and, and this isn't leading into some brilliant change I made, but, <laughs> but one of the things that I noticed was a, a common thread was that a lot of people felt the show starts out really hard really hard hitting. And, and depending on who you are, you might not like Nagatoro. Um, she's brutal and she's intense. Yes. Very intense. Yeah. And some people will say, you know, that sets up the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the growth of their relationship and you need to kind of hit it hard so that you can kind of see that change. I think it really hits really hard in the first episode or two, but something yeah. that, that <laughs> surprised and delighted me about the series is that over the course of even just one season and, and even further, if you start reading the manga, um, my goodness, is it a beautiful, 
slow build to their relationship. And even just episode by episode, you start to see those little moments where, where she starts to soften or where he starts to find his courage. And it's almost on an episode by episode basis that you can track these little tiny moments of growth for the characters. And I freaking love that about the show. <laughs> you definitely saw in episode, uh, uh, it's episode three. And there are the, yeah. um, uh, it's the they're in the cafeteria and the, and uh, Hatchie has no other seats. It's like, oh, there's only one there, and so it's it's oh, a bit of playful scene. toying. Oh, and then God. when the other girls start poking, goes, oh, I want to touch your hair. He's like, no, you don't. She starts getting really really defensive. And I'm like, hang on, no, she really does like him. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit there. of territorialism yeah. happening that you didn't expect, and even and even he notices that by wondering, you know, why is she defending me suddenly? This is the girl yeah. that bullies me, and also why. Not to spoil too much, but you know why? Why do I see her not giving that same attention to other people? Why does she shut yeah. down in the face of other male attention, but she comes at 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 me so hard? Um, and it, but, that, uh, was, that, that was definitely what made me sort of go, "Oh, there's definitely something to this series, and there's definitely something." To, she's not just a, a psycho, for need of better words. She's not just this crazy person. No, 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 no. She's got a heart. She does actually care. It might have started off as a bit of teasing fun, but she's got something going on. And it also said it's also really funny that one of the bits that uh, made me and my husband chuckle was was it Big Boob Vampires Volume Ten or whatever it was the manga? And it's just like, oh, I didn't know there was boobs in it. It's just like, really, no, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that episode two? I believe, hang on. Uh, I'm going to give you... the synopses here. Yeah, I think it is episode two. I'm going to give you a little insider information. Right. You got your wish, Senpai. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and this is the wrong show. You're not allowed to see that show. Oh. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm going to give you a little insider information that's not particularly insider because you could literally just flip on the sub and then turn on subtitles to see. Um, but what did we have <laughs> that, as that? It was not that far off. It was... Um, my computer's being a jerk. Uh, so what was that originally? I think it was, uh, yeah, no, it was always Big Boob Vampires. I couldn't wait to buy Big Boob Vampires. I bought it on my way to school. And I think we turned <laughs> it into Big Boob Vampires Volume 10. I saw it on my way to school and knew I had to have it. Um, I'll tell you something. I, I, I'm so, so grateful for this, the reception the show has had. And I know at the end of the day, most people are looking at the, uh, at the cast. But um, <clears throat> I was so worried because I knew how big a show this was when they handed it to me. So it was, it was simultaneously a tremendous honor that they would pick me to carry that show, but also terrifying because I know that there were a lot of things people were particularly passionate about. Uh, and I know that it will get a lot more attention and focus because it's a more popular show. And so um, don't tell my employers this, but I put a lot <laughs> of hours into that show. I spent a lot of time pouring over every line of every episode, trying to polish the hell out of it because I'm someone who, and maybe it's the theater training in me and I'm going to sound like a super big elitist right now, but, uh, but I'm someone who listens to performances and, and I'm usually sitting there with my director's hat rather than my actor's hat. And I'm thinking, God, that line was awkward. That didn't make sense. That's not a natural thing to say. Oh, that read, that, that, that read sounded a little bit like narration rather than feeling. I don't hear you thinking. I don't hear you. And so I, I, I have those director thoughts first and foremost, when I start <laughs> to look at the work. And, and so the last thing I want to do is deliver something that, reads as stilted and doesn't sound like natural human dialogue, especially when the, the comedy is so fast paced. I knew that at least to the best of my ability, every line had to be a banger. 
And so, you know, I think, and, and don't, don't look this up, don't find this person, but I noticed when I was uh, first working on it, I started just sort of, I think we call this vanity searching, but I started looking up the show and getting people's opinions on it. <laughs> and I found one tweet in particular that I'll probably paraphrase that said something along the lines of the Nagatoro dub will either be legendary or a complete dumpster fire. There's no in between. And so to me, that's like, okay, challenge accepted. I want to make sure that whether you love it or hate it, everything was intentional. And so nothing warms my heart more than when I see people having passionate responses to the episodes, both positive and negative. Because oftentimes if I've done my job right, um, I know that whatever they're reacting to was a choice on my part, not an accident or a mistake in most cases, you know? So if, if, if someone particularly loves a delivery or a line, you know, that's often because my pen was behind it. And similarly, <laughs> I've seen a couple of people that'll point out things and say, oh my God, this was so cheesy. Ah, that was such a bad joke. I hate that. I can't believe they did that. And I'm like, uh... nice. I made you feel something. <laughs> um i will say of the dub cast because um, i um just actually i'll say about uh the show i hadn't heard of the show until you tweeted about it because i followed really? you on twitter yeah i didn't i, I only when you tweeted about it it's just like oh there's a dub of this show okay well that looks fun and that's when i started looking into it i didn't hear of it until oh? had you seen the girl no no. Okay. Because there was, and, and it might, you know, might happen on specific corners of the internet, but there definitely was a phase back in, I want to say like, every day is the same now that we're in the, the pandemic, but like somewhere between yeah. 19, you know, uh, 2019 and 2020, there was a phase where the, the manga became really popular. And so I at least noticed that like, oh, I couldn't right. look anywhere on Twitter without seeing pictures of, uh, of, of, of HiSA. Okay, yeah, I'm not quite in those circles, shall I say? But um, <laughs> it's it, it, I've never. But I will say that. Uh, uh, oh, her name escaped me. Hang on, Kimberly, Kimberly, Kimberly Ann Campbell. She is really good. I will really love she how exceptional? she. I really love how she does because I I've, I tend to lean towards a dub than a sub. Unless there's no dub, then I will watch the sub. That's how I. Yeah. That's how I roll, and I really do think she just nails the character it doesn't feel off it's just like no you've got this you've got this and um eric is it hatchy uh eric scott oh sorry i'm terrible eric scott is it kiana yeah he's really good playing um yeah kimmer yeah he's he's also really good as well and it's like yeah no i can believe that it's very believable and also with the writing being as good as it is and i'm not saying it just because you're here I really think the writing is pretty good because comedy writing can be really, really difficult, especially when you're trying to translate something that's not necessarily going to make sense in English. If you translate it straight out, you have to take what's there and change it and make it and still make it funny and land from the three episodes I've seen. And you said you, you've done the whole series. You did whole the whole show season. is written. I'll say that right now. Whole <laughs> show is written. <laughs> so if you ever get the inclination to think that, uh, that they've backpedaled and uh, and catered to some whim that uh, that happened on Twitter. It didn't. The show is in. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the show is already done. But yes, yeah. um, and I think you, you've done a really exceptional yeah. job. And um, Thank you so much. The go on, please. Well, what I was going to say is. Um, my first introduction to your work um, was 
Dragon Ghost Mouse Hunting. It's what started this particular show. And um, it was... You did mention that when you reached out. Yeah. Um, It's what started the show. It's not what this whole thing's about. It just happens to be that I've talked to a lot of people who happen to be on the show. And so now, talking to you, I've now talked to the pretty much the whole arena gang. We had Eli Farmer and I had George Pidey. Yeah, so basically all that episode, other than the Skeleton Bros... I've got. I've talked skeleton, to everyone. I've got to get the skeleton bros, but pretty much I talked to all the principal cast. So you were Cassandra, and oh, I really well, like Cassandra. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, well, if I can, if I can cap off uh, one more thing about uh, about uh, Nagatoro. Yeah, of course, I will say that I, I think that the the I, I wanted to just agree with you that I thought the cast was doing absolutely outstanding work. I love the work that uh, that both Kimberly and Eric, uh, as well as uh, as uh, as Lily and uh, and. Brittany uh, are doing. I think everyone sounds phenomenal so far. Um, I was definitely worried. I know that it's a very fast-paced show, and and oftentimes, you know, we are encouraged as writers because it makes the process easier to try and keep everything to a really specific tempo, so everything is really predictable. And something I noticed really quickly was that I one, the dialogue was going to have to be fast. And two, for some of the jokes to land, it was going to have to vary. There were going to have to be lines where it's delivered rapid fire and lines where it's drawn out and kind of like a twist of the knife, which means you're starting to break some of those like common rules of writing anime dubbing. I mean, one of the things we rely on when we're desperately looking between the screen and the script is that we can sort of anticipate what the tempo is going to be. And this throws that right out the window. It leans (laughs) towards fast. And so something I was, I certainly had concerns about was that I was delivering a script that would be a tongue twister every session the actors went in, um, but they've handled it really well. The, the characterizations are great. I, uh, I'm so excited to see more and more as it comes out and, uh, and you know, just to con- complete entirely self-serving for a minute. I, I, one, I sincerely hope people enjoy it. Uh, two, I sincerely hope they pick me up for season two because I would love to stay in command of this show. <laughs> So Unless you all we... hate it, in which case, get rid of me. <laughs> I don't hate it. I want more. Um, is it uh, is it the usual 12 run, I'm guessing, for this? It is a 12 run. A 12 yeah. run. I believe a season two has been announced. So I'm kind of like crossing my fingers on that front. But uh, but we haven't <laughs> seen it hit uh, in the J yet. And um, is, the, um, is there any particular episode that was your favorite of Nagatoro? <sighs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeesh. No, I don't. You, you're I like, love, don't. they're all your children. You love them all. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think so. I, I, I will say this, you know, I, you know, initially the inspiration for, uh, for Nagatoro, uh, I, I, I adored writing her character because she struck me as this kind of weird hybrid between uh, like Tiny Tina meets oh, yes, well done. Max yes. from Sam and Max. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone remembers Sam and Max, I do. I do. Um, yay. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I got something in my eye. Well, why don't you stick a fork in it? It always works for me. Um, but I, I quickly fell in love with Gamma and Yoshi. They're like my Beavis and Butthead. Um, Yoshi is adorable. I probably took the most risks with Yoshi. So I'm very fascinated to see how people <laughs> like her. Um, Yoshi's an interesting character because in the manga, she does one thing and that's repeats everything the person before her said. Uh, Every time someone says something, an example would be like, oh my God, you've got paint all over your hands. And she would go, your hands, ha 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 ha. I'm going to go get a snack. I'm hungry, hungry, hungry. And that's basically her one note. Um, And it's, it's, it's 
it's cute on the page, but it was something that I found struggled to translate to a medium like, like this, like anime. And, and, you know, one, it might, it, it eventually becomes stale on screen. Mm. Um, it's not fun for the actor and, 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 you know, eventually it kind of loses its flavor for the audience. And so I had to find a way to solve what I called like the Yoshi problem, <laughs> which is <laughs> honor the spirit of the character, which is she is the ultimate follower. She always supports and backs up and is the ultimate like groupie follower to her best friends. And she's not that bright. And so I find ways to honor that, that initially come off as a similar sort of, you know, instead of just saying, you know, your hands, your hands, or, or, you know, uh, uh, yes, yes, I know, I know. It kind of becomes a similar sense of like, I know, right. He does though. Doesn't he though? Those kind of things. Yeah. And then as we get later into the show, I, I start to, you know, you'll see, I, I start to throw her some very bizarre curveballs where it's like <laughs> this, this lady has clearly lost the plot and she thinks she's agreeing with everyone, but she just said something that no one will understand. And I hope people like that. If they don't like that, I completely understand. It's probably the biggest change I've made. Gamo is me. That's not me saying right. like, I wish I could play this character, but more so than any character I've written so far, that's my personality. That's my sense of humor. Everything that comes out of Gamo's <laughs> mouth is me. Um, and well, I'm, so I guess to come all the way around to your, your, your actual question, if I had to pick, um, I guess as we get into the final episodes, episodes 10 to 12, would probably be the closest to my favorite. Cause that's when we have the most screen time for everybody. The cast kind of starts trading in and out and we have a lot of group interaction. They also introduce the president character, uh, the president of, uh, of the art club, who's very okay. near and dear to my heart. Um, <laughs> she, uh, it's an archetype that's like in the center of my wheelhouse. So as I'm writing, I'm kind of writing a character that, you know, that, that falls within my range. And so I put a lot of time and care into that character, but also introducing a character 10 episodes later, I have to find a way to make her fit in and make her energy intersect with and, and have play with the rest of the cast. And so that was an interesting challenge. And I think once all Senpai, Gamo, Yoshi, Nagatoro, Sakura, and Sana, you don't know her name yet. Uh, <laughs> I think once you've got all the six of them on, on, on screen at the same time interacting, I think that makes for some of the most interesting moments in the, in the story. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops because um because now I'm only watch I'm watching the the dub I'm only watching solely the dub I'm not gonna mm -hmm. watch the sub to oh I'll see what happens and I know I'm watching the dub as it goes on uh, because oh, I'm starting and, to watch it as a dub <laughs> and and come not to hog the mic and make this the entire thing a friggin' Nagatoro episode but um <laughs> but um that was the other thing I wanted to come around and say was was the follow up I forgot was I love the work that the whole cast has been doing and it's a really tough act to follow. Cause like, you know, I won't hold you. The Japanese cast is brilliant. And so that's a tremendously hard act to follow. And I think that, that the English cast is doing a great job. <laughs> so, so I, I was going to ask, what do you sort of prefer? Do you prefer sub dub or are you kind of like whichever it doesn't, it doesn't really bother you. Uh, depends. I, I think most of the time I, I prefer dub because it's, it's the medium I work in. Um, when I first moved down here, I, I was frequently gaming with, uh, with a group in, uh, in a game called Vindictus, which mm. is a game I adore. It's one of the best combat systems you'll ever find in a video game. I'm just saying. Um, and, uh, and my, <laughs> my clan in that game, uh, gave me the weirdest farewell. Not that I was leaving. Like we could, the moment I landed <laughs> in Texas, I could hop on Skype and we could chat together. But, um, 
but I told them that I was moving to Dallas. I was going to pursue a career in voiceover. I wanted to work in anime and their farewell to me was to tell me we prefer subs. <laughs> and so I sort, oh, of, wow. I sort of, uh, you know, stubbornly, and, and I feel like I've kept that energy to this day have kind of taken the approach of like, okay, well, um, I, I hope I get to change your mind. Um, and so, you know, because it's, it's, it's the work that I do and, and, and the medium I'm passionate about, I, I absolutely prefer the dubs. I'm very critical of the dubs, which, you know, uh, again, I think that comes down to having had a background in, in yeah. writing and directing training as well. I'm always wearing my director hat instead of my actor hat, which is, which is a, a note that my coaches are always <laughs> giving me that I need to like throw that away once I'm in the booth. Um, there are a couple of shows and I probably shouldn't name them for fear of insulting the English casts, but there are mm -hmm. a couple of shows um, that honestly, actually no disrespect to the English casts. I just can't listen to outside don't feel of the right. original no. language. There's something that's not right about it. And, and strangely, there are some shows where I love both equally. Yeah. So for some reason, um, uh, K-On and Kill a Kill, and Attack on Titan are three examples of shows I've watched through in both Japanese and English. And I think both casts are brilliant. I actually, I could say the same thing about Nagatoro, although 12 episodes is obviously a lot less <laughs> than like, you know, the 50 some odd you get with K-On. But, um, but yeah, those are examples of shows that for one reason or another, I find them both equally brilliant. There are some shows where I cannot stand the original performance and, and I feel like <laughs> the English dub redeemed it. And then there are some where I feel like you know, in English, we took our best shot and it, it didn't land at least where I wanted it to land. Because um, you've done you've done quite a bit of shows, which I have seen actually in both Japanese and English. Um, you had a very small role in Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you was a waker. What the hell did I play in that show? <laughs> waker. You, you were the one. The oh, rogue no. Of the no. Why are we talking about Waker? <laughs> <laughs> you no, I just find it hilarious that I don't know if you, you follow Anime News Network and I know that, you know, they'll bold a character's name when it's a main character. And so it's eternally hilarious to me that that's bolded as like a leading role that I played when I had no lines. Well, I was going to say those like you had like less than five lines to my count. It's like, what? oh, <laughs> but I got the screen time. You got the screen time. Yes. <laughs> um, and um, really was, good show, by the way. Really great writing. Uh, Sleepy Princess is one of those, I like the Japanese and the English, but I find the English so much better because it's funnier. Mm. It's mm. so much funnier. There's so much more energy in it. It's so good. It's like, oh. And um, the other there one is- There are a couple writers doing some really good work. I know I keep cutting off. I'm sorry. I have like no, I have like no podcast etiquette. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry about it. it, it this is happens. It's a conversation. We jump in and out. Don't worry about it. I apologize if this is a nightmare to edit later. I don't know if you edit. Oh, no. It's <laughs> at, 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 at the minute, this is like, oh, I don't have to really edit this. But anyways, I, uh, but also, the, um, the other one I saw was um, Dragon Girls House and Tank. I saw that entirely in, in Japanese first. And then I learned, oh, there's an English dub. And I started watching that. So I ended up watching mm -hmm. both. And um, I do think the performances in that are pretty equal. Uh, I do think that the Japanese cast does a great job and you guys did a great job in the in the dub. And I really hope they get a second series because I got the latest edition of the manga and really? the the oh, the arena troop the the arena troop come back. I think so, I saw you tweet that yes. that we revisit, and that's very exciting to me. 
yeah, the, you know, you, you, you get to you get to come back and you join Steve and that. So it would be awesome to have you back on there. I'll just say, right? You know but, that role meant so much to me, and and I and you know I've made this habit, and it's and it's something. I say this like I have control over it. It's something that I'm working on. <laughs> um, you know, I play a lot of, uh, you know, the equivalent of like these day player roles where, you know, they, they'll sort of have me in and, then, and I'll be in and out in an hour or two. And that's kind of my entire involvement with the show. And, and obviously yeah. it's, it's, my, it's my aspiration and my, and my ambition to play, you know, roles of greater substance that have a larger presence in the show overall, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, shows roles closer to like my Misuzukawa Zoe and Assault Lily and, and Yuki Mitsu, Mochizuki and Skate Leading Stars. Um, I want to do more like that, obviously, what actor doesn't, but, um, but, Cassan- but Cassandra was very important to me because, you know, as someone who lives in this, uh, I used to call it gender non-conforming, but I've started to realize that like, it's really hard to, like, I, I hate terms like androgynous not everyone does. Some people embrace it. It's a personal preference. I hate terms mm-hmm. like androgynous. I hate feeling like my voice does, isn't allowed to sound like a woman or a man or something. And so I've started to use non-prototypical, which I, I, I worry is like a little bit like, you know, left brainy, but, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, but, but it is, it's a common notion in the entertainment industry, a prototype you know, is kind of like this, it is essentially the archetypes, the vocal prints that we expect characters to sound like. And I've come to terms with the fact that at least for the time being, my voice doesn't fit a whole lot of prototypes yet, yet. Um, And so booking a character that is a traditionally feminine, kind of like Marilyn Monroe type of character was incredibly meaningful to me. It's incredibly Mm -hmm. validating to take a swing at a feminine character when I don't feel like a feminine person. And and be able to play that role that they thought of me for that meant a, a whole a whole lot to me. And it shows. I I, th- I do think that you know you, you did seem to have a bit of fun with that. And I've talked to George and Eli, and they really seem to enjoy it as well. So it's it's, it's good to hear that you, you've had a positive experience from this because sometimes you get the impression that everything's all dull and crap and all that. But if you get to reaffirm in yourself through doing what you love that's great that's really really great you don't really hear that sometimes it's all the doom and gloom well i mean i'm i'm preaching you know i'm probably preaching to the choir here with every actor that listens but you know i want to play roles that challenge me and yes. something that i run into frequently in my career and i'm probably not the only person who has this experience but my instincts and my energy is a frequently mismatched with the kind of roles people think of me for um, and I'm still grateful for the work. Work is work, but but especially being someone, and and you can we we can decide a, across our conversation how much we want to lean into this. But like as someone who has transitioned, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I growing up and 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 in my acting training, and especially once I dipped into animation voiceover training, and I started taking workshops and more like vocationally specific trainings towards this work, I was always grabbing you know, your, your young rambunctious male characters, you know, I was, so I was grabbing your Simone sides from Gurren Lagann and I would grab, I would probably grab Bakugo and scream my head off in the booth if I had been <laughs> training when that show was popular, you know, I, and then, you know, there are other, like when I watched Attack on Titan for the first time, I was in Japanese and, and I love the work that, that Josh Greeley does with the show. But when I was watching it for the first time through in Japanese, I was reading every one of Armin's lines 
with the show, every episode mm. of the way I had the subtitles on, obviously. And, and I was performing his role as practice as I was, uh, as I was going through that show. God, I love that show. I would kill to be in that show someday before it ends in a year. In, in um, how long yet? <laughs> I know dreams that, that will not come to pass, but so it goes. Um, but, um, so my instincts are often very different. You know, I, I'll come into the, into the booth frequently and I come in with, you know, in your face, powerful, ready to go hyped up energy. And then I've got to be walked back and walked back and walked back because, because honey, this is just a tired mother. This is not, you're not fighting anyone. Like we need you to calm down. You sound a little young. Can you put a little texture on your voice? And I can do that stuff, but it's so against my instincts that I frequently feel like I'm being asked to flex out of my comfort zone, which is, which is great as, you know, it's, it's great continued practice as an actor to kind of flex your range. It's very uncommon so far. And I keep crossing my fingers. It's very uncommon that I'm, that I've, that I've booked roles that are actually in my comfort zone. And I'm still trying to navigate how to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I I think think some of that comes with the territory of transitioning is that like, you know, there is a lot of, you know, when you grow up with one voice, one architect, you know, one sense of self your entire life, which I guess I should say that I have, but like when you're always outwardly presenting that sense of self to the world, a a lot of the time, I feel like a lot of people have a place they fall back on. That's just their natural self. And I think something a lot of people who transition go through, that's a little unique, um, is having to figure out what you sound like all over again and what kind of roles you should be reading for all over again. And, And should I keep reading for, for guys, even though even post-transition, do I want to play in my male range and use lower voiced characters or, or would that somehow be like a betrayal of who I am and, and having to navigate that? I don't think there's a single role that I voice that I'm not in there and I'm not in my head trying to fight off this sense of like, this doesn't sound normal. And I think a lot of people, not everyone, but I think a lot of people have at least one place where they're like, this is my voice. And I frequently don't have anything that I feel like is just my voice everything feels slightly foreign because of the amount of time I've spent adjusting my voice. You know, it's like that ultimate spy who's wearing so many masks, they forget what their face actually looks like. Actually, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I have, uh, I have known quite a few people who have, who are transitioned, transitioning and so forth. And I think you are the most bravest people in the entire world having to say, no, this is really me. And I, you know, I wish sometimes I had the courage and the valor and the, you know, just being the sheer, just, you know, you're wonderful for doing that because sometimes it can be really, really hard to understand oneself. And when you finally start figuring yourself out, it, it, it must be so liberating. And so I think you got, uh, you, you are so brave to have gone through that. Because I have heard, I did listen to um, your animation reel and such. And I went, yeah. wow, this is an incredible range. And it tweaked. And I was like, oh, right. Good for you. Seriously, <laughs> you, you are so brave for, for going through that. And it's, you know, I, you know, and I think you, you deserve all the credit in the world for having to go through that. Well, shit. You know, when I, when I first transitioned, I 
I assumed, and, and, and fortunately I wasn't fortunately or unfortunately, I wasn't hitting the pavement, you know, trying to act as a career. I was working in retail. The recession hit at some point, you know, during slash post-graduation. And so I, I was very grateful to just have a job. And, and unfortunately that led into many, many years of not bothering to pursue acting. So it's not like I was in the thick of it when this happened, but you know, when I first transitioned, I sort of made an assumption that that would mean never having an acting career um, because no one would take me seriously. And, uh, you know, and, and eventually I found the courage to move down here and give it a shot. And, and it took a couple of years to kind of refine my instincts. I kind of, for a long time, I was telling people all the instincts are there. I, I, I grew up in theater. I've been acting in plays since, you know, fifth grade. I, I have my BFA in drama from Tish. Um, you know, I've made my entire life about, about theater. And then I walked away for like a decade. And so I had to refine a lot of those instincts and get to a point where I could safely say I wasn't relearning, but actually say, no, you know what? I'm confident in my acting decisions. And I, and I think I'm turning out a great performance, um, you know, whether or not I book and, and I wish I could say like the, the, the dream story would be to say that I, you know, moved down here, finally found the courage to give it a shot. And, and wouldn't you know it, everyone embraced me and it was fine. It wasn't totally fine. I've had a lot of people uh, politely and well-meaning, uh, you know, make me feel like I'm too different to cast. I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, uh, it, it's, it's hard, you know, I, some compliment, I love your voice or sort of great performance. It's really hard to find something that fits to which, you know, I want to say, okay, we'll just throw me at something. And, and, and one of the, yeah. the, the, to get a little, you know, advocate on you for a second, I think one of the places we misstep with marginalized talent, and that goes for all trans and non-binary talent and, and for POC talent and everyone who's kind of outside of what the industry considers the norm um, is I think that, and, and, and I will say that I'm, I'm, I can only speak primarily to a trans feminine experience. My experience has been um, oftentimes well-meaning directors and casting directors are quick to say, well, you know, listen, hey, you never know how close you are. You know, when you send out auditions, you, you, you always, and, and this is true, you always read for way more things than you book and you never know how often like there are, there's talent that, that I as the director have wanted to use for years and I'm just waiting for that perfect fit. And, and on paper, I think that reads really well, but I think in practice, we see a lot of your more prototypical voices, your, you know, your coded, you know, straight, you know, cishet female and male voices are often thrown at the wall. We experiment with them. We throw them opportunities to play and, and flex on a regular basis and let them try things. And yet for some reason with a lot of marginalized voices, there's this sense of, you know, unless there's this perfect fit, I, I'm, I can't take the chance, you know? And, and I wish more directors would take those leaps. And so, and so the narrative isn't, I really wanna use you, but I haven't found that perfect fit yet. I wanna see people saying, I haven't found that perfect fit yet. Let me just throw you at the wall and try things. Exactly. Yes, exactly. That's it. Oh, it Be where you land. Mm. And again, I just, that's why I think, you know, you're so brave to just, just keep uh, playing as well. Oh, it's just, oh I'm, I'm, I'm here to, you know, I don't want to be brave. I just want to, you know, <laughs> just want to be human. I want to work. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I appreciate it. No, I, I, I very much appreciate <laughs> it. I, I, it's, it's, you know, you, it's something you hear for better or worse. It's something you hear a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I don't need to be brave. I just want to be a person, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate it all the same. I do. <laughs> And um, it's funny, you mentioned Tiny Tina. You you were a random townsfolk in Borderlands 3, I noticed. Apparently. Hey, yeah. <laughs> if someone finds a playthrough where you hear more than, than, you know, that one line, I think the one in everyone's playthrough is like, drunk, drunk something, drunk Albert was the only asshole here. <laughs> I recorded like eight hours of, con- four to eight hours of content for that what? game. So if you find other clips wow. of me from that expansion, please send them to me. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gotten to that DLC yet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you, you've Joel been in some- fantastic to work with. <laughs> you've been in some very interesting um, uh, properties. Although I will say one of the jokes is um, most of the people I've talked to so far have also worked on Smite. You okay. have. <laughs> I have, worked, yes. Yeah, you have worked on Smite, which is kind of interesting because it's like, ah, that's the one that seems to connect everyone. Everyone's done <laughs> something for Smite, it seems yeah, to be. Yeah, well, or Genshin I mean, Impact. Let me tell you this. It's a, well, okay. I'm going to say this right now. I would love to be in Genshin Impact. <laughs> uh, I would love to be in uh, in in uh, in a lot of those those indie games. There was um, God, there's a whole ton of them. I'd love to be in Genshin. I'd love to be in Cookie Run. I'd love to be in uh, <laughs> in um, there's a number of mobile Final Fantasy games. A lot of those games come out of, and and if you're and if you're one of the people working for those studios, um, uh, this is not a judgment at all. Also, please hire me. But um, <laughs> but uh, a lot of them are are working out of of indie studios. They're non-union gigs. A lot of those don't come through the agencies, and so I think a lot of them find their talent based on word of mouth or reputation. Um, so for whatever reason, I have not landed on any of their radars yet, and so I hope at some point uh, I can I can remedy that. Um, Smite and uh, and Paladins, the the Ocratron slash High Res slash yeah. Titan Forge um, titles. I've been getting those auditions for ages, and it is one of I'm sure they you've been told this, but it's one of the most overwhelming <laughs> titles to audition for because on any given week, like thirteen characters will fall into your inbox, oh, and wow. they're constantly working on new skins and you know, the entire industry gets it. So it's so like, you know, on any given year, you might audition for hundreds of Smite or Paladins characters and not book a damn one of them. Um, <laughs> weirdly enough, although looking back, I think it was a good fit. Uh, they sent out one, uh, it was uh, Dead Not Cupid. Yeah, that's why that, I got uh, <laughs> uh, The archetype for it originally was, uh, it was very much a Richard Horowitz you know, like Billy and Mandy Invader Zim kind of oh, archetype yeah. is what they sent out. And mm-hmm. so I, I, you know, and I, and I, and I adore Richard Harvitz, uh, Harvitz, sorry, not Horowitz, it's Harvitz. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I've trained with him and, and I, and I love that man. And I also know that my, that my male range falls into, you know, I've, I've always been a high tenor. And so even, you know, unless I really pitch down into like the, the deepest part of my chest, I always kind of have a, I have a similar sound to him. So I kind of just, threw things at the wall and I gave them my best possible Richard um, <laughs> with my own Melly Grant spin and, uh, and, and holy shit, they booked me for it. And it was so much fun. I remember reading comments on YouTube where people thought I was Howard for some reason. Um, oh, right. <laughs> and I think that's because Howard Wong voices a different Cupid and a number <laughs> of the Cupid skins have that kind of crunchy, you know, like, uh, like, 
you know, mine was this very invader sim, sim like, I'm here to conquer. And I want to say that Howard's <laughs> Cupid was like a goblin who kind of falls into this more like, I'm like a World of Warcraft goblin and I'm out here doing this thing. And people are like, is that the same voice actor? It was not the same voice actor. No. <laughs> but uh, but I'm very happy to be in such uh, in such esteemed company. <laughs> and because uh, uh, just to rattle some off, you've been in Fairy Tale, My Hero Academia, Dragon Ball Super. It's like, wow, you've got quite a few big titles under you. I, uh, let me tell you, um, my, uh, my fairy tale character is such a strange, was such a strange, powerful experience for me because it was one of my first. Um, and to this day, Mario it's still one Yesta. of my most important roles. I still feel like, like there are definitely a lot of people that know me for Dragon Ball Super because Catella was one of the most, you know, significant, like non-major characters in that arc because he was the loudest and angriest. <laughs> Um, and I got to play with so many fun things with that. My inspiration in, in playing Kitella was, uh, I, I found on a, a session by session basis that my, my performance fell some into some weird territory between Peridot from Steven Universe and, um, and Ren from Ren and Stimpy with like my, okay. own, my <laughs> own little spins in between. And, and, and if you, if you listen through Kitella's arc, there's a lot of moments where we were able to not intentionally, at least not on the engineer's part, I was able to infuse elements of, of, of the performances that inspired me. So, you know, like as Kitella's dying, I had a little bit of, I, I tried to affect a little bit of that classic Ren anger where it gets that sort of like, I'll show you. Um, <laughs> and, and I wanna say there was one line, like we actually worked Claude into one of Kitella's rants and not like as an intentional feature, <laughs> but I think originally he was like, you idiot. And the engineer, uh, you know, realized that it was the director realized that there was Raleigh Pickens, who's freaking amazing. And I love him, realized it was too long and we needed to shorten it down. So we're going through it going, you know, OK, so it's not you idiot. It needs to be one word. You dolt, you ass. We don't want to curse you. And I said, Claude. And he's like, yeah, let's try that. And then we kept it. And someone out there made fan art of Kitella wearing Peridot's helmet. And it's like the best thing I've ever found. <laughs> um, oh. Fairy tale was, uh, is probably the most meaningful. One of the most, one of the, I should say one of the most meaningful characters for me, because again, like Cassandra, like Misuzu in Assault Lily, it's one of the few times where I've just been booked as a young female character where there hasn't been this, this, weird roadblock of like, you sound too old or your voice is too textured or it's too androgynous. Like just a female character, regular ass female character. Just regular, she's yeah. powerful, she's gorgeous. Weirdly, she looks like my old World of Warcraft character. So like it was bizarre <laughs> to fall into a role and, and especially considering this was pre-transition and there's a little bit of that sort of like identity fantasy that happens when you create characters in video games. Yeah. It was so weird to have a character that looked exactly like the kind of character I would design in a game 10 years prior. Um, <laughs> and people seem to really respond well to it. I love her to death. Um, That's good. That's I, My I, Hero I Academia <laughs> was a weird experience too. It kind of came out of nowhere. It was a, a, a random bit part in the movie and she's come back a couple of times. I uh, So I'm grateful to be a part of that. I, I have a couple of titles that when I moved down here was sort of my bucket list for the things I want to be able to be a part of before they end. And, uh, and I've checked off most of them. Dragon Ball was one of them. Um, in fact, I, 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 I remember um, 
I remember when I first moved down here, I kind of had that epiphany that I, you know, I'd, I'd spent so much time watching the show and, you know, and I watched the abridged series and a lot of the other kind of parody content. <laughs> Who hasn't at this point? <laughs> and it was so surreal to then get down there and actually be able to be a part of the actual series. Um, cool. <laughs> uh, my hero is one of them. Although between you and me and everybody watching, I do hope I get to wear a mask at some point. I'm still hustling to try and get, you know, like a proper official named character uh, oh. versus just, you know, my being my title, the president character. Um, very fun, you know, very fun role. And, and it's very meaningful to be a part of it. I want to name at some point. So I'm still hustling for that. Um, no, I did find it was pretty strange. It's public safety commission president. I went, what? Well, and when she came in, we thought she was, you know, and, and maybe this is just because we hadn't, or at least I hadn't read ahead in the manga yet. You know, we thought it was just a bit part, you know, random official. And then sure enough, she shows back up in like four other episodes. Um, uh, God, and the last one is Titan. I don't know if that'll happen. I really hope it does. That, <laughs> well, that I certainly be hope so. True. Because you know what? That show is one of the reasons I'm doing this. I... I, not for lack of love, but I kind of, you know, I got lost in my retail job and I fell out of, of anime for a long time. And, and I've said this before at, uh, at, in, in interviews, but, uh, so you may have heard me say this, but Attack on Titan specifically was one of the first anime that I picked back up after years of just sort of not engaging with the medium. And yeah. it blew me away with how much love and effort and passion was put into to that project and, and really caught me by surprise. Like, especially having come from classic iconic shows, like, you know, your outlaw stars, for instance, which is a perfect show. I freaking love it. But seeing how far the medium had come with, with the way that they presented and the orchestrations and the vocal performances and, 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 and it just completely rekindled that passion I had for the medium and reminded me how much I wanted to get in there and be doing it. So so to, to be a part of, of, of the stories that inspire me, you know, when I have the opportunity to get in there is, is so, so powerful for me. Now, I'm guessing you've seen shows like Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, Full Metal Alchemist. I'm going to, I'm going to disappoint you now. <laughs> um, I am, I, and, and this kind of fits into my long hiatus from anime. I'm a very bad anime fan. I try really Same. hard. Um <laughs> Oftentimes you're only busy enough to look at the stuff that you're watching, you know, that you're yeah. working on rather. So I'm watching the shows I'm writing. I'm watching the shows that I'm in, especially if I book a role that's in more than one episode, I'm usually watching every episode. So I understand the context and what's happening. Um, and so oftentimes those are the only shows I get to, um, I will say this, I have not seen, I have not yet seen ghost in the shell. It's been on my list for like two decades now. So good. Um, full metal alchemist <laughs> is one of my favorite shows on the planet. Um, uh, I've seen 2003. More than once, I've seen. I don't know if you can see my camera, but I am going to. Sh I'm showing off one of my tattoos. Oh my god! You're kidding me. Yeah, <laughs> you're the first I've person I've ever met who's actually got the same tattoo. Oh my god! Yeah. Already That's wonderful. Quick pop quiz. <laughs> you don't have anyone's tattoo. You have your own. Whose is mine? Oh god. Uh... There's only one. I'll tell you, give you a hint. Everyone always says lust because I'm a chick, but it's envy. not lust. Lust is here. It's envy. It's envy. It's envy. Sorry, I don't mean to demean your tattoo. I always clock whether they have it in a place that's 
that aligns with one of the original characters oh, that they have no, in their I, own place. I wanted mine in a, in, a, in a different place, yes. But no, yeah, I've, it's, it's Envy. Oh. Did you know <laughs> I met somebody back in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn one day getting off the subway. He notices my tattoo and he says, oh, Full Metal, I love your tattoo. And then he pulls up his sleeve and he has the entire scar tattoo going up his arm. It's brilliant. I have a picture somewhere on my phone. I'll never find it in time. It was amazing. It's the only tattoo I have, incidentally. Is that the only, I've got, I've got another one. I've got another one here, but um, that's the only anime one. And the only other one I've thought about getting, by the way, and I, and the only thing keeping me from getting it is I haven't been back to New York. So I haven't been anywhere near my tattoo artist, but I've thought about getting Demaria's Alvarez tattoo right here. Oh, because, okay. Well, it would be weird because it's the same leg in the same color. <laughs> so it might be a little repetitive, but Demaria has in the same red, she's got the Alvarez crest yeah. on her, on the, the left side of her leg. <laughs> um, I wanted that tattoo for years and it took me like, maybe five years or so to decide I absolutely wanted it. And then like another five years to, uh, to settle on an artist that I knew I could trust who could do it. Um, I was terrified because I knew, you know, especially not having gotten a tattoo before I was extra terror terrified about like, what if they mess up and I wanted it to be absolutely perfect. And I just didn't even know where to begin to find the right artist. And then one day I was working uh, late night and I was on my way home. Uh, I was working at Apple and I was on my way home on the subway and I'm standing on the subway platform next to, turned out, I didn't know this at the time, a different Apple employee from another store. Okay. Um, yeah. But I'm standing on the subway and I look over and this boy on the subway platform next to me going up his arm is like no less than like five perfect, perfect superhero crests. Like he had Cap's shield. He had oh. like the spiky, amazing Spider-Man logo. He had, uh, and he had like three others and they were all perfect. So it was one of those things where I was like, hi, excuse me. Hi, you don't know me. I'm a complete subway stranger and it's one in the morning. So I'm sorry if this is threatening. <laughs> Please tell me who your tattoo artist is. Um, uh, by the way, Osiris, shout out to Osiris. Uh, used to be in Brooklyn. Now he's in Staten Island. Absolutely brilliant <laughs> artist. If you look up, uh, if you look up Osiris Gutierrez uh, in, uh, on Staten Island in New York, absolutely awesome artist. Well, oh, also, <laughs> and I haven't gone to him before personally, but because I grew up with him and, uh, and I trust his work and his pen, um, Luke Laporto out on uh, Eastern Long Island is also friggin' brilliant. <laughs> Google those if you're watching. Yeah, I, I think I think I Cyrus Gutierrez, Luke way. Laporto. <laughs> I'm just plugging so, tattoo artists, someone who has a single tattoo on their leg. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, so I've got this one, and then I've got this got? one. It's, Ooh, uh, that is a, gorgeous. A dragon and a killer whale there. Yeah. Uh, um, but so that's this is as soon as I saw this in the in it was Brotherhood I was watching, and I was just like, yeah, I want. So you know what? I bet we use the exact same reference because I'm looking at the shape of your, cause I've seen a few iterations on it. I'm looking at the shape of your serpent and it looks like the head is the same exact. I, th- I think um, I'll try and get a better shot. We're just going to do this. This is the tattoo stream. Let's do this. Yeah. yeah the um, can I, is this going to be really weird if I like. It's I fine. Know. I just like. There. I think it How'd is, I do? You know? 
Sorry about the box on the side. Yeah, that's like dead on. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's so cool. That's so cool. I had someone, it's so silly, the things that we take uh, as meaningful sometimes, but I remember I was in a, I was in a deli and somebody, somebody told me that uh, he shouts from behind the counter and he's like, yo, I love your, that tattoo. It looks like, I know this is impossible, but it looks like an actual birthmark. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I guess a lot of people don't go for red ink and red ink is hard because your body flushes as you're getting uh, cut into by the needle. And so I remember uh, I remember the the artist warning me that there was a chance we might have to come back and do touch ups because like everything turns red when you're getting a red tattoo. So it can be a little hard to tell if you've gotten it all. That's pretty much what I got. So, but also apparently, oh, you, you can, um, you can get an allergic reaction more from red ink, and I was like, fine. You know, was fine it as first. painful for you as it was for me? Um, my first one, th- this one was my first one. It was, it was kind of painful, but it wasn't too bad. This one, after about an hour, it was like, I can't feel it anymore. <laughs> it was just Most gone. Terrifyingly painful experience of my life, and I've had like majorly invasive surgery. And that was the worst. I will say oh. though, he was super cool. He put on music. We had uh, we had the original animated Spider-Man, like from the '90s. <laughs> uh, maybe not original, but like you know the '90s Spider-Man show. One, yeah. um, we had that playing on the television set, and we just bullshit the whole time. And I uh, tensed my entire body, and I put my arm like this, and I was biting oh. my arm, and I had my other hand here, and I was pulling my hair, and I was just like this. The entire time I was getting the tattoo for Aww. like the couple of hours it took us to get it done. Um, the only time it really, really hurt for me was when he was going back over where he'd already been. It was just like, stinks. You know? <laughs> and, and then you've got to like, you're constantly, uh, yeah. uh, uh, was it like userining? You know, you're, you're constantly lubing it up, cleaning it yeah. constantly. Yeah. And also because it's all red and you were obviously bleeding as well it just it looks like a car crash you're like oh god yeah and apparently, yeah. apparently um i think my husband will testify for this but i believe um i, I inadvertently stained some sheets because of the tattoo oh, was no. it a pillowcase i can't remember because obviously yeah, it I, think seeps I, a bit one, I think i had one <laughs> leg outside of the bed for a little while i uh, i love it though and it's and it's meaningful for me on on a number of levels i mean i i immediately when i first watched the show i connected with envy so deeply and and i'm so proud to call wendy powell a friend now um because oh, i oh, admired that's her to hear. forever <laughs> um you know she's someone who who is a lower voiced woman who has a sound that's you know closer to mine um you know i've always said when i think of actors who who have my voice i can't think of that many people the first person i probably think of is zelda williams i know oh, has yes. a very similar voice to the way that i sound um and then i think of you know wendy powell and on and on some level it's hard to parse cuz there's a dialect there's an accent there but i also think of like claudia black <clears throat> claudia black and that's kind of a lower kind of a, a i've only heard her do uh, like an english dialect um and so I usually hear her doing that kind of a thing, uh, but it's still down there, you know, and there's not a lot of that. There needs to be more of that. Yes, there does. Um, um, so, oh, but, 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 okay. but a couple of things. I mean, as, as an actor, a performer who has to take on different characters, envy, uh, envy's tattoo as a shapeshifter is, is meaningful to me as someone who's transitioned and has had to transform myself. Envy is meaningful to me. Um, and 
envy as a concept is meaningful to me because I feel like I've spent a large part of my life looking at other people and feeling like I'm less. Um, and I, and I extended that to pre-transition feeling like I was just born wrong and that somehow like fate had just decided to F me over. And I had to live with that and come to terms with that, uh, until, you know, I realized that I, there are things I could do about it. Um, you know, but also as a performer and as someone who's, who's frequently felt different, um, I struggle with envy a lot. Uh, it, it, it is, you know, the biggest, most horrible flaw that I have. And so, you know, I put it on my damn leg so I can remember to not take myself so seriously sometimes and, and, and stop to appreciate what I have and, and, and celebrate my successes and not always look at what I don't have. Well, I certainly hope you can have more and more successes in the future. I really, I would really love to hear more of your range, especially in a main and I may as a main character role. That'd be wonderful. I want to play dudes. <laughs> it's what I grew up on. And I feel like when I first came down here, I was, uh, I was a little closeted. Like I was out as far as all my family and friends and like the entire state of New York was concerned, but I was a little out because like, I didn't know how Texas was going to respond to a trans person. And, uh, and I also didn't know how the industry would respond. And I also still had those lingering thoughts of like, you know, I don't, I don't know if, if I'm going to fit in or if people will take me seriously or not. And so initially I just kind of tried to find female archetypes I could fit into. So I gravitated towards people like Stephanie Young, Colleen Clinkenbeard, uh, and to a lesser extent, like Elizabeth Maxwell and Wendy Powell. Cause I think about people who have husky or lower voices and say, well, what are they doing? You know, maybe I can do what they do. Um, and then, you know, eventually somewhat out of frustration, but also somewhat out of like, just feeling like I was handicapping, you know, and I mean that in like the video gaming sense, but like handicapping my abilities skill set by just chopping my range off and not doing anything with the lower half of my range outside of the occasional creature or monster like Catella, um, when that had been the core of my wheelhouse for so long. And so I, you know, started hustling for that. And I don't know if that shot me in the foot or not that I had to kind of make that transition, no pun intended to like, by the <laughs> way, please consider me for guys, even though you thus far never have. <laughs> um, I think it's a slow, it's been a slow climb on that front. I'm, I'm just starting to see people come around. Like I've just barely started to see a couple of directors, Chris Waycamp's one of them. Uh, another one I can't mention yet because the episodes aren't out yet, but one or two of those directors are starting to, um, oh, and, uh, and Jade Saxton, uh, uh, and, and Maddie Morris for, for working with me on Vampire Dies in No Time, like casting me as a dude, that's incredibly meaningful to me that people are starting to, to take that part of my range seriously. You're on Vampire Dies in No Time. I oh, didn't just know that. Barely. Yeah. Oh, if, right. <laughs> if you look at, uh, if you look at, um, Draluk's, uh, family episode, I think it's like episode six. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm the one with the gorgeous braid. And they asked me, oh. uh, can you do like a Count Chocula voice? And I said, well, I, I can do like a really bad World of Warcraft or <laughs> <Janai>. an <laughs> And they're like, what would that sound like? And so I go, oh, um, I hate improv. Let me try. Uh, uh, what are we doing? We have to go to the Exodar. I've landed on this planet. I don't know what I'm doing here. Oh, let's go out, get our weapons and go fight the vampires. And, and they're like, good enough. Just keep doing that. Let's start going into lines. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you my, prefer my... playing good, good or evil? Hmm, I don't care. You don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I um, 
for the longest time, I think I gravitated more towards passion and anger because I think that those feelings came more natural to me. And like, this might be like something between me and my therapist, but you know, I struggled, I've, I've often struggled with joy <sighs> in every sense of the world word. I've often struggled with joy and sadness. Incidentally, I don't know how to cry. Um, and, and I've learned a lot from Richard Harvitz on how to live and breathe and feel my way through those moments and not feel like I have to emote something that doesn't come naturally. And that even if actual tears don't happen, that if you're in that moment, you can still find honesty in that exchange, which is a little harder when you're doing ADR since the performance is already there and you have to try to match it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I used to lean towards anger and passion, yelling fire, because that was stuff that came really naturally. I mean, it's easy for me to be angry. That's why my Twitch handle is angry Melly. Um, but, uh, you know, I've started to notice and, and it was a weird transition. I, I, I came in swinging my, I call it like my Stephanie young bat of like every role I read for that was a strong female character. I'd like read myself in, in the audition room with like, you know, not in front of a director, but like in my booth, I'd kind of like find that energy by being like, welcome to Briggs, the final frontier of the strongest something, something I'm being a really powerful woman. All right, going into my lines. And I, you know, and everything was like powerful, punchy female warrior. And, uh, and, and then for some reason, people started liking hearing me whisper. So, you know, I, I back to back, I, I, I booked Misuzu Kawazoe in Assault Lily, who is this very soft, like everything was a lullaby or a, or a bedtime story. You know, like everything was like, good night, moon. You don't have to worry about that. You know, they'll come around, they'll see. They know what you have to offer. They'll realize that I'm really bad at improv. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I booked GameSoft, which, you know, weirdly started out as uh, in, in Tome RPG, Chris Niozzi trusting me with a leading role in his, uh, in his indie game. Great <laughs> friggin' game, by the way. And, uh, and, and following up an incredible performance by Casey Mongelo, um, who played the character in the animated series. I took over the role for the game. Um, and that started off as just do whatever comes natural to you. But we ended up landing in a similar place where GameSoft is very, you know, very delicate and introspective and, and very whispery. And, and the gain has to be all the way up to 40 or 45, <laughs> uh, as opposed to my usual 30, because, you know, there's just only so much of, of her that she's willing to give to the world. Um, and that sort of led me down this path that got me really interested in soft boys, too. So like my, my, so I've sort of gone from this place of like really only wanting to read for like the angriest, crunchiest boys in the anime, you know, like your, <laughs> your Ed Elric's and your Nazi Dragneels. And, uh, and I've started to fall in love with the soft, sensitive ones too, that can, can potentially capitalize on a little bit of, of my natural femininity, whatever that means. You know, like I know that over the years, there's probably affectations that I've given my voice and aspects to my delivery that might be a little bit more feminine than they might have been 20 years ago. Yeah. I just keep changing the number. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, you know, I still, I'm starting to see and hope, you know, because a lot of that comes to whether the directors and casting see that too. But I've started to see a place where my work as Misuzu, as a, as a soft voiced, sensitive female character could kind of transition into some kind of a, a more nuanced and, and thoughtful, sensitive male character. I, I think there's room for that. 
Well, there's definitely room for that. It's absolutely room for that. Um, unfortunately, the time has pressed on a little bit, so we're going to have oh to goodness. sort of say... I'm, 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 I'll, I'll go all day with you. I know you got to get to bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just the siren call of bed. and, and that, Did we but... hit anything you wanted to hit? I feel like I've been talking your ear off for the past hour and change. <laughs> the thing is, I, it, I don't sit here and go, oh, I must talk about this, 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 this. I had little like, oh... Let's talk about Nagatoro. I want to talk briefly about Dragon, blah, 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 blah. And but you just, we just flow. This is how these things are. I just love how these, the, these conversations go sometimes. This was so much fun. And, and I am a super friggin' quiet person who keeps myself in my bedroom all the time and doesn't have a lot of friends. So <laughs> it says something about the incredibly positive energy that you bring to this show that like, I'm just going and I will not stop until you yeah. stop me. Everyone um, says that. Everyone says Thank you all for being here. Again, if you like what I'm doing, please consider liking and subscribing so I can continue to make more in the future. This is Kraken, 